real. It's real. It's relevant. It's ready. I want to share with you this morning the beginning of a brand new series of messages entitled The Blessing of a New Beginning. We're going to look at what God did for the nation of Israel. How he brought them from the wilderness into the land of Canaan. And remember now, just like 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 11 says, these things that we read about all the way back in the book of Numbers are examples for how we need to apply this truth to our life today. We have good examples, we have bad examples, and we can learn from both, and we should learn from both. Now what I want to do this morning is just begin, and I don't know just exactly how far we're going to get. I want to give you three things uh, that are true about the nation of Israel um, in their journey from the wilderness under the promised land. Canaan land represented for the nation of Israel these three things, all right? Now listen to me. Let, let me catch you up on what's went, up, went on up to this point so that we're all on the same page. How many of you know that God heard the cries of his people who were enslaved in Egypt? How many of you are thankful this morning that God still hears the cries of his people? The Bible teaches that God, through a man by the name of Abraham, created a people upon earth. Abraham believed God, and the scripture says, it was accounted unto Abraham as righteousness. Praise God for that. I'm thankful this morning that God still puts on our account righteousness when we choose to place faith in him. Praise the Lord. That's exactly what happened with Abraham. Abraham believed God and the Bible says it was counted unto Abraham as righteousness and Abraham became God's friend. And then in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was told by God, God said, Abraham, because you believe me, I'm gonna make you a great nation. And from you, Abraham, all the nations upon the earth are going to be blessed. Now we know as we've been studying how Jesus got here and why he came here like he came here, listen, that was a prophecy concerning the coming Christ who would one day be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so God began his people with Abraham and after many years, listen, they came into bondage in a place called Egypt. Now, they had been there 400 years in slavery and they began to cry out unto the Lord and God by his mercy heard them and he sent to his people a man by the name of Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to take my people from the place of bondage in Egypt to the place of blessing in Canaan land. If there's one thing that I want you to understand about, uh, listen, the, uh, the, the journey of Israel from Egypt to Canaan is that they went from a place of bondage, everybody say bondage, to a place of blessing, everybody say blessing. Now remember, this is an example for us. Well, how does this exemplify our lives? I mean, you say, well, this morning, nobody in here, I think, is going from the land of Egypt to the land of Canaan. Well, physically, you're not, but spiritually, you are. I am. At least I hope you are. See, when Moses came there to Pharaoh in Egypt, and he said, the Lord told me, God told me to come and, and tell you to let his people go. 
Well, Pharaoh wouldn't do it, and so God sent 10 plagues. You remember? The last was the plague upon the firstborn. God would send a plague, plague of frogs and lice and boils upon man and beast. And Pharaoh would always say, Lord, if you'll take the plague away, I'll let the people go in the morning. And that always struck me as funny. <laughs> Here you have a plague of frogs all over the land of Egypt. I mean, they're everywhere. There are frogs in the soup bowl, frogs on the table, frogs in the cupboard, frogs in the bed. Everywhere people looked, there were frogs. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like frogs that much. We've got one young man here at the church, a uh, little Colton Holsey. He came in, uh, Brother Joey, here a few months ago, was over at the, at the new building, and that brother had about eight frogs all in it and two hands. Tickled to death. He'd been frog hunting. Joe, uh, Colton likes frogs. I don't like frogs that much. But there were frogs everywhere, all throughout Egypt. And Pharaoh says, well, if you'll take the frogs away, I'll let them go in the morning. And I've always thought, why did he want to sleep one more night with the frogs? I mean, all he had to do was let the people go, and God would take the frogs away. Can you say amen? But he said, in the morning, I'll do it. It always struck me as funny, but he never did it. He never did it with any of the plagues until finally God said, enough's enough. What I'm going to do is send the death angel. And every house is going to be touched in the, throughout the land of Egypt. The only way the death angel won't come into that dwelling is if the blood has been applied. So he told his people, he said, you need to kill, you need to kill, a, uh, kill a lamb, a lamb without spot or blemish. And then you need to take the blood of that lamb and apply it on the left side of the doorpost, and on the top of the doorpost, and on the right side of the doorpost, which I believe signifies God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Cover that doorpost with the blood of the lamb. And then the Bible says when the death angel sees the blood, it will pass over that house. Can you say amen? And then that night when the death angel came all throughout the land of Egypt, just like God said, the death angel went in and the firstborn of every house died except for those to whom the blood had been applied. And Pharaoh said, that's enough. Get the people and get out. And that's exactly what they did. They left the land of Egypt under the blood. They were delivered from their bondage by the blood of the Lamb. If you believe it, say amen. What does that mean for you and me? Remember, that's our example. Well, everybody take your Bibles and look with me in John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, the scripture tells us what the, all of this means to us. Let's start in verse number 34, John 8 Verse number 34, watch what the Bible says. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is what? Whosoever commits sin is? That word servant is actually the Greek word for slave. So what that's saying, what Jesus himself is saying, those who commit sin becomes a slave to sin. Let me ask you this. Who in here has committed sin? 
The Bible says there's a lot of things we should do and a lot of things we shouldn't do. The Bible says that I should not tell a lie. Anybody in here never told a lie? You know what that makes us? Liars. The Bible says thou shalt not steal. It's God's law. But the truth is, all of us at some point in time in our life has taken something that didn't belong to us. I, I looked in, my, in the console of my car the other day and just had to sit there and repent because it was full of bank pens. No, I never asked them people for those pens. I just took the pen and put it in my console. I went to the bank just the other day and I had a whole handful of them. Man, I mean a handful. And I started take, took those pins out started to lay them down in the, in the box. And I, She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving you your pins back. She said, you keep the pins. We don't want them back. <laughs> she didn't know where those pins had been, so she wanted me to just have them. And I did. I just kept them. But I had never asked for them. I'd stole all those pins after them. Now, what's that make me? Don't say stealer. <laughs> no, it makes me a thief. Why? Because I've broken God's law. The Bible says that I should put no other God before the one true God. But the truth is, I put a lot of things and made things and people, my God, that I put before Him. That makes me an idolater. That makes me a sinner before God who is holy. And the truth is, that's exactly where you are too if you're honest with yourself. That's why Jesus said, whoever commits sin becomes the slave to it. I remember when I had just graduated high school, moved out of the house, I was living on my own, doing my own thing. Uh, you know how it is, foot loose and fancy free, thought I had it all figured out, nobody could tell me nothing. And, and, and I finally, I thought, man, now I can be free and do whatever I want to do. Nobody can tell me what I've got to do, where I've got to be, how i got to act. Now I can do what I want. I am completely and totally free. It wasn't long after that I made some decisions that radically, negatively impacted my life. I started drinking uh, alcohol and taking drugs and living the party lifestyle. And it wasn't long until those things had a stranglehold on me. They were no longer just strongholds. And a stranglehold of my life and I could not break free of it and it was ruining the relationships with my family that I love so very much and who love me. I got to the point where nobody could stand to be around me and I could understand it because I couldn't stand to be around myself. I was miserable. And I thought, man, I'm free. Nobody can tell me what to do, where to go, how to act, what decisions to make, but I come to find out really quickly. An alcoholic and a drug addict and somebody addicted to the party lifestyle, you're not free. You're in bondage to that substance that has control over you. Amen? Whosoever commits sin becomes the Slave of sin. Amen? Some people say, well, brothers, I've never done that. I've never been an addict. I've never had struggles like you've had in those areas. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had the struggle with dead religion? 
Let me tell you what a lot of people think. A lot of people think, well, we know the alcoholic. He's going to hell for sure. And the guy on Skid Row, he's going to hell for sure. The, the addict that's putting the needle in his arm, he's going to hell for sure. All, all of those people are definitely going to hell. If anybody's going to hell, let me tell you something. Satan would just as soon send you to hell from the church pew as he would from the gutter. And there's a lot of people who've lived their life for dead religion who still have no peace, still have no purpose, still have not experienced the abundant life that God has promised through a right relationship with His Son. And all they have, all they ever do is cross T's and dot I's and try to be self-righteous in their own ability and actions and it brings them nothing but true heartache deep down on the inside because they're always searching for something they know they can't attain themselves. They're going through the motions, trying to be good enough. And the harder they try, the more they realize they're a slave to sin too. There's no peace in it. There's no joy in it. There's no purpose in it. And there's a lot of people that are in bondage this morning to dead religion sitting on church pews all across this nation and world. Just as lost as the drunkard on the street and the drug addict in the alley. Just as lost as the most vilest sinner you could name this morning because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is, there's a Canaan land. What does the Canaan land represent? Some people say it represents heaven, but I disagree. Let me tell you why. Moses didn't make it to Canaan land. If there's anybody that's going to be in heaven, it's going to be Moses. Gosh. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Moses is God's man he used to deliver his people. He's a perfect picture of Christ in the Old Testament. Moses gave the people the lamb. Jesus was the lamb. See the foreshadowing? See how God does things from the old to the new? See the example for us? Praise the Lord. No, I don't think Canaan land represents heaven. Listen, because when they got into Canaan land, they had some enemies they had to face. They had all them ites. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Mosquito Bites, all them ites were in Canaan land. Right? Hey, listen, in heaven there are no enemies. What does Canaan land represent? Canaan land represents the abundant life that is promised through a right relationship with Jesus. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. It's the place of blessing. And it's through the blood of the lamb you can move from the place of bondage to the place of blessing. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 3, one of my favorite verses in all the word of God. Look what it says. Ephesians 1, 3, oh, it's so good. Watch what it tells us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with, everybody say it. 
I'm just going to let you say all because y'all are way off key on the rest of it. All right, so just say all. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who have blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What blessings do you have if you are in Christ? All. All blessings. Folks, we don't even yet realize how good we got it. If you are in Christ. You say, brother, how do I get in Christ? Great question. The Bible says he's like the door. Praise the Lord. You know how easy it is to walk through a door, don't you? He's the door into the sheepfold. Listen, you just walk through it. That's it. You make the decision to walk through the, the, the door. And Jesus said, when you make the decision to follow me, You'll be in me and I'll be in you. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When you by faith trust in the finished work of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, you go from being outside of Christ to being in Christ. Now listen, when you are in Christ, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings. That means you went from the place of bondage in your sin to the place of blessing in Christ. Hey, let me give you just a few of those blessings. Folks, there was a time when I had no peace, I'm telling you. I, was scared. I would lay in bed at night and tremble thinking about the possibility of dying before my eyes woke up the next morning. And I, would, I knew that I was not ready to meet my creator. I knew, I, I knew there was a heaven, I knew there was a hell, and I knew I was headed to hell, I knew it. And I would lay in my bed and tremble on the inside because I was so scared. There was no peace for dying. And there was no peace for living. I was worried about everything and everybody. Listen, anxiety just completely and totally wrecked my world. There was no peace in me. Oh, but listen. When I met the Prince of Peace, that changed. The moment I truly trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. When I got real with God, he got real with me. When I got serious with him, he got serious with me and he gave me peace that passes all understanding. Listen, folks, and it has not left. I'm not telling you everything's always been perfect. I'm not saying to you I've not had troubles and trials and tribulations and fallen into temptation. All of that has happened to me and will happen again, but in the midst of it all, I still have peace. I've got peace for dying this morning. Listen, if you hear that Israel Price has died, don't you believe it? Because in that moment, I'll be more alive than I've ever been before. I know because I've placed faith in Christ that my last breath on earth will be followed by my first breath in heaven and praise the mighty name of Jesus. He's given me peace for dying and he's given me peace for living. I can choose to worry sometimes, but he provides peace. When I don't forfeit my peace, and choose to worry. I can have peace for living. Any of you who've never had teenagers, you don't know what it's like to worry. 
my kids, I hope they know how much their mama and me love them. But the truth is, if I'm not careful, I'll forfeit the peace of God and wreck my mind and world with worry because I want things to work out like they need to work out in their lives. But I'm thankful I can rest in Jesus. I'm going to say that again because you missed it. I'm thankful that I can rest in Jesus. Do you know as a child of God, I am now an adopted son of God himself. Do you know the Bible promises that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help in my time of need? Do you know that Jesus said that if you ask anything in my name, you can receive it? Do you know that as a child of God, I've got access to him at all times and I can take my children, I can take my worries, I can take my payments, I can take my bad things. Listen, I praise him for my good things and I lay it all at the feet of Jesus and I say, Lord, here it is. I got, I got peace for living, brothers and sisters. That's a spiritual blessing, believe me. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. I got that because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. My joy is found in him, not in my circumstances. My circumstances might change, but he does not. So my joy remains. Now I've got purpose. Praise the Lord. I don't live a meaningless existence. No, I'm not just getting by. I'm not just wondering. There was a moment in Matthew chapter number, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4 and verse number 36 where Jesus looked out over the people and he, the Bible says he had compassion on them. And he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's how I used to be. I was a wandering sheep in this world just trying to get by, just trying to make it. But it wasn't until I came in contact with the good shepherd that everything changed. Purpose, purpose. All spiritual blessings. The place of bondage to the place of blessing. That's what it meant for those people. And because of Jesus, we too can go from bondage to blessing. Praise the Lord. They went from a place of wandering to a place of worship. They wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And it wasn't until they entered into Canaan land, to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, that they were able actually to begin truly worshiping the Lord. Yes, with their lips, but also with their life. Number three, they were going from a place of poverty to a place of prosperity. In the wilderness, they were a bunch of ragtag slaves who had nothing. Nothing. When they came into Canaan land, the Bible says they lived in houses they did not build and they ate from fields they did not plant. The Bible says, we're going to see it next week, that the grapes in Canaan land were so big it took two men to carry a cluster. The Bible says in Canaan land it was filled with pomegranates, milk, honey, wine, 
every good thing you can imagine, God had blessed his people with in Canaan land. They went from having nothing to having it all. From poverty to prosperity. Listen, folks. You may be here this morning and you may be there. You may be here listening to me online and you may be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and have enough money to burn a wet mule. That takes a lot of money. You may be. You may have houses on the hill and million dollar cars in the driveway. You may never have to work for another dime because you've got all yours made. Maybe that's true. I hope it is. But I'll tell you this. Without Jesus, all of those worldly possessions mean nothing. Let me tell you why. I've never seen pockets in a shroud. I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor and I've never seen a U-Haul behind the hearse. I've never seen an armored car behind the hearse either. Let me tell you why. can't take that with you. None of it. It's good to have it. I'd rather have it as not have it. But you can't take it with you. The prosperity that I'm talking about is not what the world sees as prosperity. I'm talking about the ability for you to be able to rest in Jesus. I'm talking about the abundant life that he promises. He said the thief comes not but for to steal and kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. He's offering you the prosperity of abundant living. Abundant life is eternal life that will never end. And the Bible says on in Ephesians chapter number 2 that throughout the ages we'll continually be learning more of the great, amazing grace of God. From poverty to prosperity. You can have it all as far as the world is concerned, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You can have everything as far as the world or excuse me, you can have nothing as far as the world is concerned and have Jesus. And the truth is, you've got everything. He's the answer. The Bible said there in Numbers 13, verses 30 and 31, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. We'll find out next week that they made a decision not to enter into the promised land at that time. And because of that decision, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. They were on the edge of the blessing of a new beginning and didn't take advantage of it. Let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you are right now standing on the edge of the blessing of a new beginning. 
right now, you can go from the place of bondage to the place of blessing. You can go from the place of poverty to prosperity. You can have the abundant life that Jesus promises. You say, well, brothers, I don't really want to do it today. I mean, I got some things I need to take care of. I've got to, uh, I got to do all this stuff that, that I think will make me right with God before I actually make that decision. No, 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 that's not what God wants. He don't need your help. See, you don't clean yourself up and come to God. You come to God and he cleans you up. You don't get to, I hear people tell me, this, preacher, when I get to where I can live it, I'm going to do it. Well, guess what? You're never going to do it. Because none of us can live it without his power. All a sinner can do is what a sinner does. It takes the grace and mercy of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to be able to live a life pleasing unto the Lord. I'm telling you. Let me tell you, folks. You can have this relationship with God himself, this abundant eternal life, if you'll receive it. The Bible says, by grace through faith. Don't wait. Don't be like old Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, Moses, I'll let them go in the morning. Let me spend one more night with the frogs. What in the world do you want to keep living with the frogs? Why do you want to keep putting up with the bondage of sin in your life? Why do you want to keep living like you're living without the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, and the purpose that he gives. No. Today's the day of salvation. Right now, today. For the Bible says tomorrow may be too late. The edge of a blessing, of a new beginning. This is your invitation. You need the Lord, you come this morning. Everybody stand together, please.